0: Order, order. Gisela Stewart, MP for Birmingham, Edgbussen.
1: Gisela, thank you very much indeed for talking to Women's Parliamentary Radio, which you co-chair. The first thing I should say is congratulations to you. You chaired the vote leave and vote leave won the Brexit
0: vote. Indeed. But you will have noticed that there's very little jubilation on our side because it's it's a very difficult decision which we've put to the electorate. In a sense, we almost asked them to do our job for us. And, I mean, I personally, in a sense, almost regretted that Cameron put the referendum on that kind of basis because we said to the voters, in or out, but nobody on a government place offered them what the options were. You know, we should have had... Referenda on the treaties, you know, Lisbon, Maastricht. But given that we had it, I felt very strongly that we should leave and therefore join the cross-party grouping. And when we got designation from the Electoral Commission, I did my best that we get a leave vote. And you chaired the Vote Leave campaign. Wasn't that a difficult decision as a Labour MP
1: standing next to Boris Johnson and Michael Gove, who are prominent
0: I sort of chaired the board, which made sort of all the financial decisions and things. And then on the campaign board, I co-convened that with... Michael Gove, who I had worked with before, part of the House magazine, so I knew him. The really important thing was that it had to be cross-party, and just as Harriet Harman went out with the Prime Minister and even Ed Balls appeared with George Osborne, I think we all realised that this was a decision which went beyond party politics. You didn't agonise over
1: any of that, deciding to go into the vote-leave camp, despite what you acknowledge as the simplicity of the referendum question, leave or remain, and becoming chair.
0: I think it's because I was so convinced, and still am convinced, that the one thing which wasn't on the ballot paper was the status quo. If I'd thought that if we remained, things would just go on as they do, I probably would have felt less strongly that I had to do something. But the unresolved question of the Euro, the, the one event within the European architecture which no longer allowed people to say, well, I'm sort of half in, half out. The euro requires deep integration. It's not working. Uh, We're not in the euro. No, but because we are kind of almost holding them back. And also, if you are one out of 28, then the core group will go on making decisions in their interest and not yours. So we ended up being tied into something that actually would not make decisions in our interest. And you did sit uh, on one of the European bodies that drafted the
1: legislation.
0: Was that what made you a Brexiteer? It did in many ways. It's I spent 15 months being one of 13 people who were the drafting body of the new European constitution. On the European Council? It was called the Convention on the Future of Europe, and we were charged with drafting a constitution. And what happened was, A, during that process, all the stuff which I thought would make for greater democratic accountability and transparency sort of kept being negotiated away. Then it was put in a referendum to the French and the Dutch people, who, when they said no... They simply rehashed the same thing, called it the Lisbon Treaty, and imposed it anyway. So I kind of became convinced that there was an establishment force that was incapable of changing. And the only thing it was good at was overcoming the democratic will. In a nutshell... Why did you want to Brexit?
1: And do you still have the same opinion, given the chaos that's resulted since Thursday's vote? We're now at Monday. 17 members of your own shadow cabinet in Labour have resigned. The stock markets are falling to their lowest since 1985, despite the fact that George Osborne gave a reassuring speech to the city today.
0: It's chaos. But what that is, it's a reflection of how our democratic institutions are failing to function properly in a modern world. You know, I always see my job as being the mediator between mob rule on the one hand and bureaucratic tyranny on the other. That's the job of political parties, that's the job of Parliament. You you bring people's voices together, you then see what's possible, you seek a mandate. All those things are breaking down, you know. We have the hysteria on Twitter and Facebook, which seems to be, by some people, be regarded as more important than informed discussion. We have a, a fracture in the political parties, which is not along ideological lines, but it's between members and MPs, you know the classic one today with what's happening in the Labour Party, that deep fracture. So what the referendum did, it highlighted some deep fissures in the system rather than have created them. Tony Blair said that if this referendum, the Brexit
1: referendum in the UK had been held in any other of, of the 28 European states, they would have also
0: voted to leave. Do you agree with that? There is an extraordinary revolt almost against a bureaucratic structure that is not responsive. And I always call it almost the tale of two unions. The United Kingdom Union is one that over 300 years had continuously adapted, reflected the the wishes of the, the, the people it represented, and a European Union that just kept growing without being responsive to the needs uh, of its members. And what I just find so so unbelievable is that you know, I now get hate mail because I supported the ability of people to have their voice heard. 17 million of them made a decision. And there's another group out there who seem to think that this is the end of the world as we know it. Get a grip, stop having this nervous breakdown it's democracy at work. It's an enormous opportunity and we have to step up to the plate and implement it.
1: Mervyn King has said today that it was a disappointing and depressing campaign. He and others are also tipping you to be one of the Brexit negotiators in what they think will be as Michael Gove's team. Was it depressing and disappointing?
0: Well, it was because, as I said at the outset, it was the nature of the question. So it was... a. a scurrilous campaign no you see what happens is facts about the future are hard to come by and we rather than saying how do we want to be governed and given that even this place has since 2010 not had debates on European council meetings we have not had debates on agriculture we have not debates on fisheries so even the political elites actually are amazingly ill-educated about what the European Union does. The disconnect between these institutions is horrendous. So then we were going to a public who we had to explain in terms they could relate to of what the differences are. So I was very careful when it came about taking control of immigration policy that I thought if you had no control over that, you couldn't plan public services. You simply can't. Now, whatever the numbers are, you need to have a way in which you can decide on them. Now, there was all sorts of other stuff going on at the periphery. But all sides, um, yes, ended up having to use symbols almost. But, but so the figure on your battle bus was a symbol? No, it, it showed what the total was over which you could take control to make the decision-making. No, that is the total. You then can go on and say, oh, but we get some of it back, to which I say, yeah, but you get it back with conditions attached. And then they say, oh, So you stick to the 350 million? I, I can justify the figure. I can explain it. With all those things... I I can explain where they come from. Do you agree that there is no plan, that you hadn't expected to win?
1: The opinion polls, even up 10 o'clock, had put you slightly behind, four points behind, instead you were four points in the lead, that there was no plan for the Brexiteers, of
0: which you chaired. You are a leading member. You should have had a plan. I'm not the government, not even the alternative government. I chaired an organisation that campaigned for a Leave Vote. A government's responsibility, even when it goes into a general election, is it takes the major parties' manifestos and works out a plan of what the alternatives are. We had a government that called the referendum at choice, and he was so certain that he would win that he didn't even think it had to think about what it itself needed to do. Now, we were quite clear on one or two things where the next steps would be and they'd be possible. But, you know, I'm a Labour backbencher. I'm not the alternative government. And given that the prime minister put that question to the people, I think the EU is a Busted flush. I think the Euros networking. I think we're better off out. Do you think it was too much a fight
1: for the leadership of the Tory Party between Boris Johnson and David Cameron? David Cameron has subsequently resigned. Uh, Boris is going to throw his hat in the ring. Possibly Theresa May too. The 1922 Committee has just said they want a new leader in place by September the second. Fast-moving events. But for which do you feel any responsibility? And
0: working with Boris was that difficult? He does. Use the truth liberally. Well, I'm not sh- Look, uh, if I had five pounds every time somebody asked me what it's like to work with Boris, I'd be very rich by now. I just, that was, just was not, wasn't the thing I was focusing on. I thought it was best for the country to leave the European Union, and therefore whatever needed to be done to get to that point, I thought was important. As, as, and I believe in, 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 in democracy. And people will have the different reasons why they support certain things. That's fine. But I just find it really astonishing that you have a prime minister who calls a referendum at a time of his choosing, who it seems now didn't even consider for a moment of what he'd had to do in place if the vote went the other way. And then when he loses it, he and his commissioner just walk away from it. I think that is just an abdication of responsibility. Is your own Labour Party and Shadow Cabinet being responsible?
1: Hillary Benn, Jeremy Corbyn, the turmoil in your own party, just 17 members of the Shadow Cabinet resigning, you've got a, a meeting of possibly a vote of
0: no confidence tonight. Does that sadden you? Enormously, absolutely. Yeah, you know, you could, could burst out in tears over this because what you had is that that break between the membership... MPs and the leader, and a group of people who clearly seem to think that a Labour Party, however small, as long as they're in control, is more important than a Labour Party, that can be a potential alternative government. So you think Jeremy Corbyn should go? Oh, yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Have you been in tears about it? Angela Eagle was virtually in tears on Sky. Uh, Well, I tried to keep my tears in private rather than in public.
1: (sighs) Well, let's move on to the more optimistic scenario. In a few months' time, the Conservative Party has a new leader, possibly either Boris or Theresa May. You are part of Michael Gove's negotiating team. Would you accept such a role? You've clearly worked on the legislation. You know about the Constitution. Would you accept a role as a
0: negotiator to leave Europe? Ask me again when I'm actually being asked. (laughs) (laughs) Have you ever thought of defecting? Do you know, this is one of those questions which started to appear in about 2005 when I almost did get thrown out of the Labour Party because I was campaigning for a referendum on the constitution. I just find that such an extraordinary odd question because I've always said my the limits of my loyalty is silence. I find it equally really quite offensive when some people, particularly in the wake of uh, Jeremy Corbyn becoming leader, would sort of say, uh, well, you know, you don't belong into this party, why don't you go to over to the Tories? And I say, I have given the best. Has he said that to you, Jeremy Corbyn? No, 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 Jeremy, sort of, you get this old sort of Twitter rubbish. You know, I've been for the best part of the 20 years a Labour MP. My definition of what the Labour Party is is as valid as yours or anybody else's out there. And this notion that whenever you disagree with someone, you say, well, why don't you go to the other lot? It's just kind of lazy abuse, really. So, in answer, am I defecting? Uh, I'm not going li- to make life as easy as that for you. No. <laughs> but but if your only regret is the wording of
1: the que- question and the simplicity of the wording of the question on the referendum paper should you have accepted responsibility for that that you should have done more to get a different wording
0: on the referendum paper no i couldn't have done that the tory majority no no it wasn't the wording it was the the, the timing of calling the referendum he called it at the time when there was nothing on the table which offered an alternative so he should have waited
1: what? could Jeremy Corbyn have done more to campaign for Remain? Did you think we've got an open goal?
0: I have to confess, I was too busy running my own campaign that actually took very little notice of what anybody else was doing. But what I do know is that it's the Labour heartlands which turned out a, a leaflet. So, again, when you get this criticism of that, you know, I as a Labour MP have just betrayed uh, the interests of all those Labour people... Because if there is a recession, they'll be hit hardest, to which I say, look, folks, they voted leave because they looked at their lives. And when they were threatened by the chancellor that things will only get worse, they said, you know what, do you really think it can get much worse? So, do you have empathy with that, with the migration argument that people really are suffering because there's unfair competition from migrant labor? Yeah, they feel left behind, and they felt there was a Labour Party that was no longer speaking for them. And, you know, I've said this before, we became the greatest recruiting sergeant for UKIP. By the end of the week, and this really is the last question, what do you think might have happened? What turn of events would you like to happen by Friday? Oh, things are happening so quickly. I just... The most immediate thing is I just wish this hysteria and public nervous breakdown just needs to calm down because people are creating a crisis you know, three days after the referendum, you get people going on about saying that, you know, our future is ruined, my children's future is ruined. And you can say, hold on, you know, just 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 wake up. Nothing has as yet happened. We have had a democratic decision. So I just wish things calmed down a bit. Did you celebrate on the night? No, I didn't. I was up all night and th- had to do the declaration in Manchester at what, about 4.30 and then came down here. So and my, my celebration was actually getting more than four hours sleep. <gasps> Let's do it. thank you very much indeed for talking to Women's Parliamentary Radio
1: today about Brexit, your role, and thank you sincerely for your support of us. Pleasure. Thank you very much. Seema Malhotra, Member of Parliament for Feltham and Heston. Seema, thank you very much indeed for talking to Women's Parliamentary Radio today here in Central Lobby, and just before you go in for the statement in the Commons, you decided to resign from the Shadow Cabinet. Why? I decided to resign because I realise that Jeremy Corbyn is
2: going to face a, a vote of no confidence this week in the PLP. That isn't good for him. That isn't good for the party. And I believe it's now time that he steps down as leader. We're a divided country. We're a divided party. And we need somebody who can build the bridges that we need now to help us be a more effective opposition, but also to start to look like a government yes. in waiting. And for all his qualities, Jeremy is not that leader.
1: Do you think he let the party down by not speaking up for Europe enough? during the referendum?
2: I do believe that the Labour Party, and Jeremy is part of that, needed to be a stronger voice in the campaign. I know how much we struggled as well with the blue on blue debate as it became prominent, but I think we could have done more. And I do believe there is a feeling that Jeremy didn't do everything he possibly could. He did a lot, but he didn't feel like he stretched that to try and reach out to the voters that we needed to. How do you
1: think the Labour Party Will vote tonight? Will it want a new leader? And by the end of the week, what do you hope will have come of this? 17 members of the Shadow Cabinet resigning in all by lunchtime today. What do you hope events will be on Friday? Well I very much hope that
2: Jeremy will now take the message that he can stand down now and stand down with dignity and everybody would understand that. But we need to now look to the future as the party. Jeremy showed that the party needed to change when he came in. He was a wave of change, but implementing that change can sometimes be harder. I think it's time now for us to work towards a peaceful transition. I believe that's in Jeremy's interest as well and I hope that he will take the courage to step down and do so knowing that he will then have the party behind him. Was it a difficult decision for you? It was incredibly difficult, it was heartbreaking and I feel very much also for Jeremy and what he must be going through but it was the right decision I believe because we now need to recognise he's taken the party as far as we can but now we need a fresh start.
1: A week ago today we were standing in the chamber, Joe Cox Memorial. What do you hope to build out of that hashtag More
2: In Common? Jo Cox is somebody I think about every day. We had a tribute to her in my constituency as well on Saturday. I think the message that we have more in common and that we should unite rather than divide is a very powerful one. And certainly my pledge has been to make sure I take the effort and make the time to meet with colleagues from across all parties, build those coalitions that are so important
1: to make change happen. Seema Malhotra, thank you very much indeed for talking to us. Thank you, it's been a pleasure. Order. Order.
3: Baroness Burt of Solihull. And I'd also speak for the Liberal Democrat Party for Business, Innovation and Skills. Your reaction, Laurie Lee, to
1: today's events, which seem chaotic to say the least. George Osborne's statement to the city this morning didn't reassure the city. Stock markets are falling lower since 1985.
3: Yes, well, uh, that's what he warned. And I just feel like so many of my colleagues, just really gutted because... We know that it's going to be an uphill struggle from here on in. But having said that, you know, arrangements have been made to come into effect should the worst happen. And the worst has happened. The worst continues to happen as well with the situation relating to the markets. But I think Mr Osborne sought to reassure the markets today that, you know, we still are a very business-orientated country, Britain is open for business, and who knows? There may be opportunities for a lot of businesses to actually benefit in different ways from this result. Are you one person who
1: supports a second referendum, and do you think we should join the European Economic Area and EFTA so that we can have trade deals in place? They say it takes years
3: to renegotiate one trade deal, yet alone 50, and we don't have trade negotiators anymore. And we don't have years either, that's the that's the other problem. Yes, I think the faster we can get access to the free market, the better. The problem is that the price, I can't see any agreement in the world at the moment where the price isn't free movement of labour. So that negates the whole reason for having the referendum in the first place. There's no deal that's better than the deal that we've just walked away from. But the way I'm feeling about it at the moment is that any deal which gives us access back to the free trade area has got to be something that we should seriously consider.
1: And Boris has written a telegraph column today where he seems to backtrack, where he says we still want to be a member of Europe and that he may even accept free movement of people and migration for the benefit of joining the European Economic Area. Do you think that the voters will see that as duplicity?
3: Well yeah it is duplicity <laughs> no question or doubt about it however we have to be realistic about what our prospects are now i just find it it makes me so angry to think that what it's his fault to a large degree that we are in this situation you know if he's now going to give up everything that he said you know i know that the inside exaggerated somewhat but That's nothing to what the outside did. And now they're all having to backtrack if we're going to have our economic situation restored. Should there be a second referendum? Well, I'd love to see one, (laughs) but we've had a democratic vote. People have voted to leave, but by a very small margin. And so I don't know what the answer is to that. If it were possible, then I would certainly do so. Our leader for the Liberal Democrats, Tim Farron, has said that this is going to be a major plank of our manifesto. For the next general election is to negotiate full membership back into the European Union.
1: And of course we might have another general election this year or early next, if a new leader of the Tory party takes over and wants a mandate from the people. But you're close to business throughout your career in Parliament and now in the Lords. You've championed business, particularly small business, business for women. You've spoken to Women's Parliamentary Radio often, for which I thank you. But what are business leaders saying to
3: you? It's not repeatable. (laughs) It's really not repeatable. There's a lot of anxiety. I think that because it's their British businesses, they will knuckle under and they will do whatever needs to be done in order to enable their interests, their business interests, to prosper. We find ourselves in uncharted territory, and who knows what's going to happen next. Certainly they don't. A colleague of mine has said that companies throughout the country have been putting into practice their uh, emergency plans, but I would counsel business to keep calm. Just see how things settle down and don't take any severe steps right now because who knows what's going to happen in the future.
1: Belt, thank you very much indeed for talking to Women's Parliamentary Radio. On a scale to 1 to 10, how do you rate today's crisis? 10? <laughs> thank you. Order, order.